You see these cases in the news and read about them all the time, and they're really scary stuff of people that have spent long prison sentences after now being proven to be falsely accused. Even some people who have been put to death that later evidence shows that they were innocent. And I think it's just the most horrendous nightmare a person can live. It's been going on throughout history, right? I mean, you got the Inquisitions and the Salem witch trials and even modern day false accusations. So if anybody ever tries to tell you that a clear conscience laughs at a false accusation, ask them how they would feel if they were falsely accused of child abuse or date rape or didn't get a job because of a false positive urine test. And I see it all the time in hospitals that a urine drug test changes how a clinician or a nurse feels about a patient when those results come back, or a wrong diagnosis associated with urine drug test stigmatizes a patient and can result in chart lore that follows them for a very long time. You know, I was recently at a restaurant a couple years ago where a buddy of mine thought that the wasabi was guacamole, and he got quite a surprise when he ate it. So, People get the wrong impression of things all the time, but when medical people interpret urine drug tests wrong, it can end up actually in character assassination. And at a very minimum, it often kills the trust between patients and clinicians if the patient is falsely accused of taking a drug that they didn't take. So let me start off by saying there are a lot of ways to do drug testing, and usually what we're talking about is drug testing of abuse, although obviously we could sometimes test for drugs like phenytoin and all kinds of levels that we're looking for for therapeutic reasons. But today, talking about drugs of abuse, and you can test through serum, urine, hair, saliva, sweat, you know, even meconium. So all of that would be way too big of a topic to cover in detail. And I think the urine drug test, at least in the clinical settings I've ever been involved in, it is the most common modality for drug testing that I see. And at the same time, it's probably one of the most misinterpreted tests that I've ever seen. I'm not going to get into confirmatory testing very much or chromatography, just talking about the urine drug test and what you should think about it initially. And urine drug tests are basically based off of immunoassays. So they're based off of antibodies, and that antibody is supposed to recognize the drug that you are testing for. And that would be great if they were very sensitive and specific to the drug you're testing for. However, the problem is with immunoassays and antibodies is that there is a cross-reactivity, meaning there becomes a false positive test when you're trying to detect a substance, but another substance with some sort of similar characteristic that the antibody picks up for leads to a positive test. So let's just jump into it with my least favorite urine drug test on the panel, on the screening panel, which is amphetamine. And the reason it's a poor test is because it is the one most commonly associated with false positives because the amino acid cross-reacts with all kinds of drugs and substances. So the very first thing I do when I see 
a positive amphetamine test, first I just look at the drug list. And oftentimes if you understand what can cause a false positive test or, or just a positive test because the patient may be on stimulants or amphetamines that are prescribed. So a person with ADHD who's taking their stimulants as prescribed obviously is often going to have a positive test for amphetamines because someone prescribed them amphetamines. But then there's a lot of other drugs and substances that are not amphetamines that will cause a positive amphetamine test. And so, for instance, bupropion. Bupropion is also known as Wellbutrin. Well, its chemical structure has some similarities that get picked up on the amino assay for amphetamines. Or this other drug you may have heard of, metformin. Very common, actually, first-line drug for diabetes that we prescribe has been shown to cause false positive results for amphetamines. You've got the over-the-counter decongestions like pseudoephedrine that the patient may have just been taking for a cold, positive amphetamine test. Oh, and then you've got these other drugs that you would never think would be a false positive, like ranitidine, an H2 blocker to decrease some stomach acid, labetalol, a blood pressure medicine. So all these cross-reactivities. So what do you do when you see a positive test for amphetamines? Well, I don't know if I have the total right answer, but this is what I do. I look at the med list, and oftentimes it can just be self-explained right there, and, and that's it. I don't want to get further into it with the patient because I see on their drug list that they're taking something for ADHD or whatever. Other times, if you have a clinical concern, the patient came in with psychiatric changes, or they're a young person and it looks like they might be using methamphetamine, you know, have stigmata of maybe missing teeth and being homeless and having a lot of social issues going on. Or maybe they look like a duck with a drug problem, in which case you really have to watch out for those quackheads. Okay, so really this is what I do. When I don't think it's a false positive. I'm just wondering what is going on. You know, if I think it's a false positive, I really typically don't address the patient. I write in the chart that I think it's a false positive because they're taking this, that, or the other. But if I think it might be real, I just go in and I say, your urine drug screen came back for amphetamine. Now, don't go in and say it came back for methamphetamine, because that's not true unless you were specifically testing for methamphetamine, which most urine drug tests are just testing for amphetamine. And then the patient very often is truthful and be like, yeah, I have an issue. You know, then you get into when was your last use, you know, four days ago, whatever it is that they're going to tell you. And if you approach them in a non-accusatory way, it usually works out better, I think, as far as opening up and the truthfulness. Or they tell me, absolutely not. I don't know why that is, doctor. And then I try and just believe them unless there's some major reason why I don't believe them, you know, track marks down their arm or a crystal meth bag found in their pocket, you should probably just be giving the person the benefit of the doubt unless you're sending for confirmatory testing. But do you really need to? I mean, will that change what you do or is it going to come back by the time the patient's already out of the hospital for several days, depending on where that laboratory confirmatory testing is going to take place? And then I do want to mention one specific, I'm going to call it a supplement, but it's pretty much a drug, but it's very commonly used. And 
the Department of Defense has come to appreciate it because if you look at an article from the Journal of Analytical Toxicology, so this was in April 2011, um, there is a article that discusses the drug of DMAA. DMAA is also known as dimethylamylamine, so DMAA. And I got to tell you, this is something that is in a ton of pre-workout sports supplements. Now, I have a feeling it will be banned in the future, and it does give you a rush and energy that goes beyond caffeine. So a lot of people at the gym are using it, but a lot of people in the Department of Defense are using it. And to put that into perspective, so the DOD, the Department of Defense, they use urine drug testing about 5 million urine samples a year for amphetamines. And they had a ton of positive tests out of that. Now, what's fascinating about that is when they actually did confirmatory testing, so they were using gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, to see if that was real methamphetamine or you know a drug of abuse that you would find on the street, 92% of the false positive samples for amphetamine were DMAA. So a very common substance. It's not in your typical sports drinks like Monster and the things that you buy at 7-Eleven, so to speak. But when you go into a supplement store, um, your typical supplement stores or online, um, where probably most supplements are actually ordered, those powder supplements, those pre-workouts have a lot of DMAA in them. So soldiers use it to get a lot of energy and complete their exercise or their missions or whatever. But even though um, it's not methamphetamine, it does have amphetamine-like properties, to say the least. There's actually a lot of lawsuits going on right now because a lot of supplement companies, they purposefully advertise that they still contain DMAA, which is this whole FDA thing going on because the FDA is concerned about a few cases where people have had hemorrhagic strokes. And some of these people have been found to have DMAA in their system. So it's not totally clear if DMAA increases the risk of having a hemorrhagic stroke while exercising. And so the supplement companies are saying, well, we've had 5 million of these products sold and one person has a hemorrhagic stroke and you're trying to pull this away from us. And the FDA is saying that we're very concerned about this substance. And so there's all these lawsuits going on and it's quite the scene, basically a legal scene, a struggle between the bodybuilding supplement companies and the FDA, who's probably genuinely trying to keep people from getting harmed. But in the end, who really wins or loses? The lawyers win. And I guess there are losers on the other end one way or the other. It's like the old saying, where do vampires learn to suck blood? Law school. All right, so let's move away from amphetamine. You know, not every urine drug test is as bad as that. That's probably the worst one. And then on some ends, like cocaine is actually a pretty good test if you pick it up. There are some things that can cause a false positive with cocaine, though. And one of them, well, you don't have it here in America, uh, but is in a lot of countries, is coca leaves. And so 
My wife and I, we did our honeymoon a year after we got married. So this is a long time ago. And we went to Peru and a lot of Peru when you're staying at Cusco and you're going to be going to see Machu Picchu and all these places. These are high altitude places. And so we get off the plane in Peru and we're taken to our hotel and we're feeling pretty much like we're having tiredness and shortness of breath and all the things that you would expect at 11, 12,000 feet. And we get this tea. Um, we were in the lobby of our hotel and they just bring us this tea. We didn't ask for it and we drink it and we felt pretty darn energized all of a sudden. And then I said, wow, that's some good tea. And then they told us that it was coca leaf tea, which is very, very common throughout Peru. It's not illegal, it's just what they serve. And it made the check-in process to the hotel a lot easier. Well, you know, I think I misspoke. I said in America we don't have coca leaves, and that's actually a terrible thing to say because obviously Central America and South America are also part of America, so I should have said the United States. But you get the idea is that there are a lot of countries where coca leaf is used in teas and it will cause a positive on a cocaine test. So lo siento mucho. I am very sorry for stating that we don't find that in America because of course we do. We don't find it in North America very much. All right, so how long will cocaine be in the urine? And it seems like the length of time detected in the urine will be about two to four days. And so all these urine drug tests it really matters what you took and how long it will be in the urine. So typically amphetamines and methamphetamines, if it is a true positive, about 48 hours. Marijuana, all over the place. If you just used it once, maybe up to three days. If you're a chronic heavy smoker, it can be in your system quite a while, possibly months. It often has to do with how much body fat you have and how much you smoked. Benzodiazepines, some of them can be very hard to detect even on the benzodiazepine test, but then you take a long-acting benzodiazepine like diazepam and it can be detected in the urine drug screen for about 30 days, so quite a while there. When you actually take the urine matters too, so if you get a morning specimen, meaning when someone just woke up, that's going to potentially have the highest concentration of drug. And there's basically a concentration cutoff on these amino assays for having a positive result. So if you take it later in the day, you may be more prone to a false negative result. All right, well, maybe we'll jump back to marijuana for a minute. Sometimes in Colorado, I even wonder why we even have that drug still on the urine drug test because... It is, it's like testing for water in the urine. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how many Coloradans since legalization are coming up positive with this. But a lot of it's because some people moved here just to be able to smoke weed. But for those of you who don't live in Colorado, there's actually more marijuana dispensaries than Starbucks and McDonald's in a lot of cities like mine. So it's uh, pretty prevalent to say the least. So cannabinoids in the urine drug test, um, usually around here I just assume it's, it's, it's real and, and doctors tend not to care much unless it's some kind of legal issue like a trauma. And then that gets very, very difficult, by the way, 
to know what's an acute ingestion of marijuana versus was the last time they smoked a week ago or something like that. We really don't have any good testing for that as far as I know right now and very difficult for the police in trying to decide if someone has a true DUI, but maybe more to come on that in the next few years. Well, anyway, it should also be noted that with cannabinoids, there can be cross-reactivity and some of the drugs and medications that there's cross-reactivity with are fairly common. So in my hospital, the PPI, the proton pump inhibitor of choice, is pantoprazole or protonics. That's what we have on the formula. We don't have other PPIs. And so we use it both orally and IV. And it looks like pantoprazole is one of those things that has a cross-reactivity with a cannabinoid amino assay as do some NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, very, very common, can cross-react as can some antiviral medications. So not always a true positive. And clearly your environment and surroundings will probably help you with interpreting that. Most people around here don't deny when you ask them if they smoke marijuana, like, yeah, and you know, as if the question even needs to be asked. But the other thing I will say, um, I was reading the Mayo Clinic proceedings. So in May of 2017, they had a great review article on urine drug tests. And it's one of the uh, many references, but a big reference that I'm using for this talk. So I make sure I get it right. But one of the things that I did not know about, because I don't deal with pediatrics, but I find this very important, is that we are often screening newborns for drugs and THC can have a high false positive rate apparently because of the commercial products and materials that are used in baby wash and wipes and diapers and the kind of urine collection diapers that are used. So there can be this THC immunoassay cross-reactivity based on what is externally used on the child to collect the urine. So these surface contaminants, so to speak, that a nurse may be using to clean the child and collect the urine can affect that urine analysis of the newborn. So very, very important because obviously you do not want to falsely accuse a mother of having smoked marijuana and having a baby positive for marijuana. Very emotional time, as, as we all know. Uh, right after the birth of a child and tell them something that isn't true. We have to be very, very cautious in that interpretation. Okay, let's talk just a little bit about opioids. So when you do the opioid test, as people know, you're trying to pick up these opioid pain-based medications as well as street drugs, but there are a lot of things that may be a false positive, and that can range, by the way, from poppy seeds to maybe you've heard of these, Fluoroquinolone antibiotics can cause a false positive for opioids. But on the other side of that, there are potential things that are not picked up very well on an opioid screening test. And that can include, maybe you've heard of this drug, oxycodone, right? So while you may easily pick up heroin and codeine and hydromorphone, some of the medications that are fairly commonly used for opioids, like oxycodone, methadone doesn't always pick up on a urine drug screen immunoassay. You know, I can recall some 
cases of people that have presented to the ER and I've taken care of them for opioid and benzodiazepine overdose and you look at their urine drug screen and they're actually totally negative and maybe the urine drug test that you're using in your hospital isn't picking up on that and again you know just as important those false positives you know maybe they're just taking Cipro and that's why you have a positive urine drug screen in somebody who may not have even should have had a urine drug screen to begin with or you're testing for other reasons and opioids wasn't one of them you know other antibiotics have been associated with false positives as well rifampin being one of them and speaking of benzodiazepine so that is actually often a false negative result you can have false positives as well but it really depends on the benzodiazepine they did or did not take on whether that test will be positive or negative. Some fairly common benzodiazepines like lorazepam, clonazepam, alprazolam don't pick up very easily on a test whereas others like diazepam can be positive for a very long time. So you get the idea. Even Zoloft, by the way, can cause a false positive on the benzodiazepine testing. So I think you get the idea that we really have to interpret all of these tests very, very cautiously and don't just think that someone is a drug abuser because they have a positive urine test. All right, I think the point's made. I'm out of here. Gil Parat, catch you on the next round.